You're listening to a podcast edition of Closer to Truth. For more information about this series, visit our website, closertotruth.com. Consciousness, what I sense and feel inside, seems simple, ordinary, commonplace. But what causes this inner experience? Traditionally, the answer was the soul, an ethereal substance, non-physical and immortal. Today, most scientists reject the soul and endorse the brain. But how can the brain, this mushy mass of nerve cells passing chemicals and shooting sparks, experience the setting sun, the Mozart Requiem, romantic love? Some say that consciousness is an illusion. Others, that nothing is more fundamental. I did a doctorate in brain research, but I'm baffled by consciousness. Why is consciousness so mysterious? I'm Robert Lawrence Kuhn, and Closer to Truth is my journey to find out. consciousness one normally starts with philosophers or scientists. I start with neither. Ifa was once a lawyer in Taiwan who wanted to be president. She is now a Buddhist nun to whom consciousness transcends philosophy or science. We meet at her temple in Los Angeles. Ifa Scientists talk about consciousness as if it were just the product of the human brain. Some religious people talk about consciousness as if it's the most important thing in the universe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How does Buddhism look upon the nature of consciousness? In Buddhism, the mind is a kind of broad mm. uh, concept. Include, uh, you know, our eyes, the, the things we see, and the ears, the nose, and tongue, and body touching, or even deeper, what we call, you know, uh, the seeds of our experience. So these are all facets of consciousness. Mm-hmm. This is all consciousness. And uh, of course, I mean, the, this consciousness always change. I know that in the West, we, you know, we separate uh, um, the mind and body. Yeah. Or people say, okay, th that's only material. Uh, but, but Buddhism is not, you know, kind of black and white. It's more like a, it's a, it's a, it's a you know, a spectrum. For example, a humans experience certain thing and the animal are different. So there's a different kinds of consciousness because different of the experiences and the sensations that each have. Exactly. Or even Buddhism will say the karma are different. Yeah. The, our, our karma are different. What is the relationship between karma and consciousness. Literally, karma means action. 
action. Of course, it's not just a physical action. So this consciousness is um, like a storage room and experience all our action hmm. or our karma, you know, the experience from past. And that's why, you know, that's who we are. So maybe I was, you know, um, a male in the previous life and this life I become a female or, you know, the animal, you know, uh, my, my previous life, or maybe I'm a human being, I'm, I will be the animal, you know. But that's the way we only see kind of in the appearance. But yes, even the, the consciousness, it keeps changing as well. Consciousness as change? My consciousness does change in that I'm aware of ever different sensations or thoughts, but how can my consciousness be change? Then add karma? Past lives? I'm a novice in Buddhism. I bet Susan Blackmore has a different view. I meet her in Oxford at the Pitt Rivers Museum. Sue is a former parapsychologist who now debunks ESP as nonsense. Sue, I've been talking to many cosmologists, and whether they happen to be atheists or theists, virtually every one points to consciousness, if I push them hard enough, as something that resides at the most fundamental level. I've been shocked at how many people, how many physicists use consciousness as the most fundamental thing in the universe. Well, some of them I know are just waffling and making nonsense of it. People swing wildly between materialism and idealism with consciousness. I think we have to start from how it feels. It feels like there's an immortal soul. It feels as though what's important about me is that I'm conscious. There's things I'm conscious of and there's me. And that me is something that feels as though it lives in the body and has free will and can, you know, make my arms move, that sort of thing. It just seems to feel that way. But you then go and look in a brain and what do you find? I mean, <laughs> you know what you'll see in there, don't you? Actually, I've never looked in my own brain, but you will see a great kind of porridgey mass in there of billions of neurons connected up in billions of ways. How can a soul be there? The more we understand about the brain, the further neurophysiology and neuroscience progresses, the less room there is for a soul or even for a self. Because all of the jobs that were previously given to the soul, being conscious, causing actions, um, thinking, um, having insight, um, thinking up new ideas, being creative, all of those things, we, we are beginning to see how the brain does them. You know, the old fashioned view is absolutely, I'm a spirit or a soul and I'm important and I, you know, I might even live forever. That's the kind of starting point for all human cultures. And then science is forcing us, forcing us and forcing us and forcing us, as it forced us to see that the Earth is not the center of the universe and, uh, you know, we're not the only um, reason for life on, on this planet. It's forcing us, I think, to, to, to come to that truth. We're not, we're not a spirit, we're not a soul, we're not even a little self inhabiting our brains. But having no souls, no spirits, nothing, no, nothing non-physical as part of the picture. 
No, nothing non-physical in that sense of, 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 you know, something in another dimension or some sort of waffly little spirits, not that sort of thing. So, no waffly little spirits, Sue? But brain and mind the same thing? I can't decide whether that's utterly profound or utterly trivial. How would a Christian respond? Since I'm in Oxford, I'll go see Keith Ward, former professor of divinity at the university. We meet in his rural church, built almost a thousand years ago, and this week he's preaching. Keith, I, I think you hit on consciousness as a key element, a, a selector, because many of those scientists or philosophers who would subscribe to the vacuousness of religion would also assign consciousness to be a pure function of human brain. Do you see consciousness as that critical selector? I have always had a fundamental conviction that the reality we perceive is a function of the consciousness we are. In other words, there, there may be a reality beyond the appearance that we perceive, but the world as we see it and feel it and touch it, that is a product of our consciousness. And so I've always been philosophically anti-materialist, and I think that is a fundamental divide. It's not a religious one, but for a religious view, I think it would have to be substantiated by some alleged experience of such a consciousness other than your own. But the philosophical view enables that experience to occur and it makes it seem rational. And uh, so the philosophical view and the religious experience appear to corroborate one another, or at least that's how it seems to me. Sounds like you're saying that consciousness is even more fundamental in a sense than religion per se, that it's sitting Below, it's a, whether it's our consciousness or a, a supreme consciousness, that there's some sense of, of the concept of consciousness which empowers religion to be real, which the materialists, the scientists, the atheists don't see in their thinking. I think that's exactly right. And one reason uh, for, that some scientists object to some religious views is that those religious views are just particular, very culturally bound attempts to access the cosmic consciousness. And some of those attempts are extremely bad and ignorant and negative. Uh, so religion might appear, like all human things, to be very flawed. Uh, but the real important truth it's trying to get towards is the existence of the primacy of consciousness. I wish I could believe, as Keith does, the world would have meaning and purpose. Am I losing my critical edge? It's my recurrent fear. I'd better talk to a skeptical philosopher. Daniel Dennett is my man, professor at Tufts University and author of Consciousness Explained. Explained? Can Dan defend his ambitious claim? I go to Cambridge, Massachusetts to find out. 
Dan, I, like you, have been fascinated with consciousness my whole life. It seems like it's a window on some bigger reality beyond us. You've talked about consciousness as something that we feel that's really more marvelous than it really is. Why is that? Yes, I think that consciousness plays tricks on us. Um, it seems to us as if here we are inside, somewhere behind the eyes and in between the ears, and uh, the inner witness is watching this wonderful show, and it's, it's all in color, and it's complete in some wonderful sense. But then when you do the, the, the physiology and you study perception, you realize that no, in fact, you have a very limited take, you're only taking sips from that fire hose of information that's coming in, a little bit from vision, a little bit from, from hearing, and there's in fact this this competition going on, tug of war between different senses, between different interpretations of what you're seeing, and all of this competition resolves itself in the fullness of time and pretty darn quick uh, to produce the, the behavior that we're capable of and the reflection that we're capable of. It seems though as if there's, it all comes together at some place for, for enjoyment in the middle. And that's just an illusion. There's no place in the brain where it all comes together for enjoyment and for, and for witnessing by an inner witness. So we have to take all that work that that inner witness was going to do, and we have to break it up in little bits and distribute it around in the brain in the time and space that's available. And no one of those little bits is going to be conscious. And yet the sum of all of that work that the inner witness was going to do, that's what consciousness is. We have is. This, this illusion of, of, of unity, a, a binding, that every, everything yep. flows together. We have that illusion, and it is an illusion, because in fact, there's lots of things going on at once. They're not all that coherent. And so our brains are very good at creating the sorts of simplifications that make, that make its own job <laughs> easier. And uh, so, yes, consciousness is an illusion of the brain for the brain, by the brain, if you like. And if that seems to be self-contradictory, then reconsider, because it doesn't have to be. If Dan is right and consciousness is an illusion, all of me is in my head, all of me is just my brain crammed into my cranium. And when it goes, I go. I've hoped for more. I'm a little depressed. Ah, but there's a fork in the road. David Chalmers, an Australian philosopher, suggests that consciousness may be irreducible and not explainable by brain alone. He calls consciousness the hard problem. Why hard? I've waited until Dave comes to California. Dave, I've always been fascinated by the concept of existence. And when I think about existence, what that means, I'm always back to consciousness. But then I see some philosophers telling me that consciousness is an illusion, doesn't really exist. You think otherwise? I think consciousness is the thing we know about more directly than we know about anything in the world. You know, the great philosopher Descartes said, we can doubt the existence of anything in the world. I could 
doubt that you exist. Maybe this is just a dream. But the one thing I can't doubt is that I'm conscious right now. You know, I think I am conscious, therefore I am. My consciousness is presented to me more directly than anything else in the world. If this is an illusion, then the illusion is consciousness. Uh, some say, okay, that's Descartes, they ridicule him, they say now that we know about the brain, we know how the neurons work, the spites of activity, the synapses, the chemical compositions, the complexity, that out of that complexity of hundred billion neurons and trillions of connections, consciousness can emerge. Still an illusion. Maybe consciousness emerges from something else. I mean, this is a further question downstream, but the number one datum of the science of consciousness and the philosophy of consciousness is there is consciousness. Is it the first element of reality or is it something derivative? Is it sort of a second element of reality that somehow emerges from the brain? Well, that's an open question at least, but you can't question that consciousness exists. I tell you what, I can question your consciousness. I can't be 100% certain that you are conscious right now. Maybe you're just like acting conscious and walk, you're walking the walk, you're talking the talk. Maybe nothing's going on in there. Maybe you're a zombie. I can't question my consciousness. I'm experiencing it, I'm experiencing it directly. All right, it's more real to me than anything else. Tell me about zombies. It's a funny word, but there's some significance there. But the zombies that philosophers are concerned with, they're just like you and me, but they lack consciousness. They walk around acting like a conscious being, talking like a conscious being, but they're not conscious. You stick them with the pin, they say, ow. Exactly. And you ask them, are you conscious? They say yes. <laughs> and no one thinks zombies actually exist. I mean, I'm not a zombie, I don't think you're a zombie. But we can at least make sense of the idea. They, they seem to at least be imaginable. Our world is not a world of zombies. We're not robots. We're not automata. We're conscious. That itself is something that needs explanation. There's a lot of things we want to explain when we explain consciousness. You might want to explain things like how it is that my brain perceives something in the environment and a stimulus hits my retina, my brain integrates information, I react, I point, I say something. Maybe you could give an explanation of those things in terms of circuits in my brain or algorithms in my brain, but those are just the easy problems. The hard problem of consciousness is why is all that processing accompanied by conscious experience? Why does it feel like something from the inside? Why do we have this amazing inner movie going on in our minds all the time? And it looks like all the whole story you tell about neural circuits and computational mechanisms, it just leaves that question out. For that, we need an extra ingredient in the picture, I think. We need to bring in consciousness itself, on my view, it's fundamental. Fundamental, Dave? Like the forces of physics, not derive from them? Consciousness in some proto-form existing everywhere? From the very beginning? That's kind of extreme. John Searle, a leading philosopher, rejects such speculation. And he has challenged Chalmers on whether consciousness goes beyond the brain and debated Dennett about whether consciousness is an illusion. I'll go anywhere to speak with John. Graciously, he invites me to his home in Berkeley. John, consciousness seems like the most obvious thing in the world. We all know what it is, we all have it, but why is it so mysterious? Well, there are several reasons. Um, I guess uh, the most important is that we have a certain conception of reality that's largely 
derived from the progress of the sciences over the past three centuries. And we think that ultimately reality must be material. And then we find, my gosh, we're all conscious. We all have this inner qualitative subjective stuff, and that seems mysterious. And then uh, another thing that makes it seem mysterious is we have this uh, terrific a religious philosophical tradition that says reality divides into two. There's the mind and the body. There's the soul and the flesh. I, 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 and this makes it seem like well, there must be these two different realms. And then we got another hassle. We can't see how, how are we going to reduce uh, consciousness in the way that we reduced all the other things. Material objects reduced to molecules. Colors reduced to light reflectances. But consciousness, if it's qualitative and subjective and it only exists when it's felt, then how do you do a reduction of that? Yeah. Materialism says, in, at bottom, consciousness doesn't really exist. It's an illusion. Uh, everything is material, third person. And that's obviously false, because we know in, from each of our own cases, from our own experience, that consciousness exists. Now, dualism, which says, no, they're two separate and distinct realms. Uh, dualism is in worse shape, in a way, than materialism, because it hardly gets up to the level of being false. It's incoherent. So I've suggested, look, forget about dualism, forget about materialism, and there's a way out of this. This conundrum. All right, help me. Where, okay, here's how it goes. Start off with what you know for a fact. Now, you know for a fact that you're conscious. Consciousness is real and irreducible. You can't get rid of it. Now, the second thing to remember, and this we've only come to know in the past couple centuries, all of my conscious states and all of your conscious states are caused by neuronal processes in the brain. And then third, consciousness is something that goes on in the brain. It is a feature or state or process going on in the brain. It's not mysterious. It is spatially localized. And finally, we know that uh, conscious states actually function causally. So if you take those four, it's real and irreducible, caused by brain processes, exists in the brain, and functions causally, then your problem is not to have a puzzle about consciousness, but to show what was mistaken about these other views. The key to this whole approach that I'm urging is we have to think of consciousness as a biological phenomenon. It's as much a part of human and animal biology as digestion or photosynthesis or the secretion of bile or mitosis. We're talking about human biology here, human and animal biology. Uh, the, the main difference, at least at our present state of knowledge, is we have a better understanding of digestion than we do of consciousness. The brain is a tough nut to crack. I am riveted by John's analysis. I listen for hours. But I struggle with his insistence that consciousness is entirely biological, strictly the output of the brain, just like digestion is strictly the output of the stomach. Colin McGinn, an English philosopher who teaches in Miami, is a mysterion on consciousness, and I want to find out why. We meet in New York on a very cold day. Colin, consciousness seems like the most obvious thing in the world. Why do you think it's so mysterious? What's mysterious about consciousness is how it relates to other things in the world, particularly the brain. And the trouble is that the brain is simply made of biological cells, and they have electrical and chemical connections to each other. But how does that explain why the brain generates consciousness and not the kidneys or the liver or the heart, that, which are also made of biological cells? It can't be the electricity, because that would be an electricity theory of consciousness, and nobody defends that view, so that can't be it. 
Is this ignorance an ignorance of, of current understanding, or is it some kind of a deep ignorance in principle where it would be forever impossible to know it? It's, well, it might be between those two. I think it's deeper than just our current understanding. So it's not as if we, if we find another chemical in the brain we didn't know about. Oh, that chemical is consciousness. No, it's going to be the same problem with that. But is it completely terminal? That is nothing we could ever discover, no, no changes in our own intelligence, which might occur in millions of years of evolution, or by direct intervention in our own brain structures. I'm not saying that nothing like that could ever produce understanding of, of consciousness, but as far as we can see, within the conceptual scheme we have now, which has worked so well for the empirical world, nothing in that conceptual scheme removes the mystery. About consciousness, I understand everything. I understand nothing. On one extreme, consciousness doesn't exist. On the other, it's a fundamental part of existence. So does truth harmonize the two? Where consciousness is real, but entirely the product of the physiological brain? That's not my bet. Harmony stakes no claim on truth. Our inner self seems so radically different from brain chemicals and sparks. I dread wishful thinking, but I sense that consciousness may reflect a deeper reality. It is a sense I cannot defend. My search is what this entire series is all about an exploration of cosmos, consciousness, and God. I'll accept uncertainty, but not sloppy thinking. Getting closer to truth. To watch complete conversations with over 100 of the world's leading thinkers on cosmos, consciousness, and God, visit our website, closertotruth.com.